0: fake, fiction and irrelevant. This man who spoke himself as a friend of sinners, one who shares his tears and brings peace to everyone, who proclaims freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. Was he a liar or a hypocrite, or truly God with us? Was he a reckless fool or truly the Lord of Lords, King of kings and light of the world? This man who claimed to be the Son of God both fully human and fully divine the beginning and the end. The Bible tells us that He is the image of God, the Savior and that His love conquers all fear, terror, violence and evil. Have you ever asked yourself if this Jesus is relevant for your life? If His death and resurrection should mean anything to you at all? It's not too late for you to start out on a journey. There's no other name Whereby men and women find their salvation, purpose, and eternal peace.
1: Jesus. We're closing the series. The topic is free from disappointment. And I want to start with a study because um, maybe my parents, they grew up with the idea they never get maybe, um, their parents never hugged them. Their generation, they never get like, you are good, you're something unique. They were just hard workers. Now in my generation, even the younger generation, we growing up and say, you are something unique, you're special, you're a queen, you're a king, you're an overcomer, you can do it. And that's a good thing, but sometimes leads also in something very super extreme. Because in our days what happens, a lot of young teenagers, they have depressions and they go coming into a burnout. And if I tell this my mom, she's 48 years, she says, a teenager cannot have a burnout. A teenager cannot be depressed. And i explain you right now why is this so. Here is a graphic of the young generation. They have some years to live. They want to have a success. And everyone, all the young teenagers, they want to be something unique. They will say, I will be a unicorn, the real unicorn. And here is a sentence, wait until the world sees how fantastic I am. This is how young people really think and what they believe. And here's the thing, after a while, what they're realizing is here is reality, and up, up, up there is the unicorn, the dream, the longing, the plan, the calling, but between reality and the unicorn, it's such a gap. And as bigger the gap gets, as more frustrated and disappointed I am. And that's why a lot of young people, they're walking around super disappointed with 18, 19, 20 years of age. And then comes another thing. All of a sudden, because of social media, social media means me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. You see some posts of other people say, oh my goodness, he's closer by the unicorn than I do. And what happens, you're looking up and jealousy sets in. And when jealousy sets in, you are in a real, real problem in your life. And do you know jealousy? Is there anyone here in this room who's jealous sometimes? That means we're looking up and all of a sudden realizing, oh, my dreams are far away. The problem is reality and the dream and the calling, as bigger the gap gets, as more frustrated you are. Now you have to understand my soul, my spirit is like a garden. And if we don't take care for the garden, certain words sets in in our heart, in our garden. All of a sudden, grief sets in, mistrust, bitterness, envy, hatred, isolation, fear, conflict, anger, and inferiority. And all of a sudden, I getting super frustrated about God, about the church, about the small group, even about Pastor Leo. That's me. I know it's that's always impossible. And that's why the Bible is saying to you and me, we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a Pentecostal thing, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. He leads us, He guides us, He equips us. In Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23, the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruits can only grow, it's the garden, the soil, it's healthy. If my soul is not healthy, your fruits will not healthy be too. It will love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. With other words, we need the Holy Spirit more than you ever can think or imagine. And here's the thing, God has given you a dream. God has given you a calling. There is a purpose in your life. Let's think for a moment about the disciples, some men and women in the Bible. Jesus chose the 12 disciples. I mean, this was for those guys a very unique moment. I don't know what they felt in their heart. I don't know what kind of agenda they felt. I don't know when Jesus called them out, but they left home, they left career, they left their friends, and they had a certain longing, a certain agenda in their heart. Everyone has a hidden agenda. Everyone has a hidden agenda. Then they saw Jesus healed the blind people. I mean, this is amazing. Have you ever seen healed people are healed? Blind people are healed? That's amazing. Jesus heals the lame. He casts out the demons. He teaches in front of a big congregation. And this was the moment where the disciples believed, we know that Jesus will establish a new kingdom. And that kingdom will be bigger than the Roman Empire. And they believed because Jesus chose them, they have a very unique role in that new kingdom. Then comes the day when Jesus died on a cross. And in one moment, it seems that all the dreams, all the longings, all the agenda, is crashed in one moment. But the crashing moment in their life was the grave, the tomb. When they put Jesus into that amazing tomb, for them, the biggest disappointment ever, because they felt, we left our family, we left our career, we left everything, and now he's dead. Just think for a moment what happens in their heart, in their soul. Even the disciples that faced disappointments in their life, and we will find face disappointments as well. And I want to write you something here, because I believe disappointments is like a wound, It's like a scarf.. Oh. Marriage. For certain people, you are disappointed in your marriage. Of course, when you are married, super excited. One week later, you say, uh, I have some question. Uh, I married you, but you not behave the way i looking for. And sometimes we are disappointed even with God, even with the church, even with your friends, and everyone has an area where we have some scars, some wounds in our lives, and we get super, super disappointed. Let's go into three stories uh, around Jesus Christ and learn three things. Point number one, confessing your disappointments like Mary. The point number one, you have to confess, you have to admit, I am disappointed. Maybe you say to me, Pastor, that's a no-brainer. No, it's not a no-brainer. Because I coach people a lot, pastors, people in their marriage, and you know they come to me. I married my wife, and she doesn't understand that I have that longing. Have you ever told that? No, but she should feel it, she should sense it, she's a lady. There's a lot of expectations we have, and we never communicate that very well. Even when people come to church, I don't know why you give, I don't know why you serve. I don't know why you sacrifice your life, but sometimes there is a hidden agenda. If I do that, then the blessing of God will be in another level. And if this is not happening in your life, you get very frustrated about church, about serving, about giving, even about God. The point number one is confess, I am disappointed. If I don't do that, then we will run away like the disciples. The ten disciples that were running away, is in John chapter 20 verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. They were running away because they were disappointed. Some people, they're running away and you don't speak about your disappointments, you are super quiet. You are a victim, you blame other people. People who never sat down and saying, I am disappointed, they start to blame other people. Because see, disappointment is like a wound, it hurts, it's emotion, it's feelings attached. It's like an unseen prison, right? Here is a slogan maybe heard this many times. Time heals all wounds. Have you ever heard that? or let grass grow over it, it's only a matter of time, then it's over. Time heals nothing. Time only makes you older. Can you repeat it? Times will heal nothing, times will make you only older. And pause for a moment, the disciples were running away because they were disappointed. Before that happened, Jesus had an, an, an amazing um, illu- parable illustration. Said, "I am like a vineyard. I'm the grape, the wine, and you the, the, the branches." And five times Jesus saying, "Remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. And remain in me. And remain in me." as I remain in you and you will bear fruit. He was saying, don't ever run away. Stay, 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 stay. I have two kids. If I have to repeat one sentence twice, that means they're stupid. That means they, wanna, they don't wanna hear what I have to say. But five times, ooh la la, this is a message. And I believe right now Jesus is saying to you and me, remain, don't run away. You know, the devil tries to steal, to destroy and rob. What kind of stealing? The fruits in your life. The joy, the peace, the self-control. If we're running away, we are in the position where the devil is super happy about it. Remain in me. There's one thing in the parable of the vineyard. When summer is coming and there's a lot of fruits on the branches, the grave, there is the mildew. And the mildew is something comes out of the blue and destroys the whole graves. And this stands for disappointments. Sometimes one thing happens, it's like a mildew, and your fruits getting destroyed. Uh, I, I running a church, or running a movement as well. You can imagine church is a business people. And people are easy. <laughs> Nobody's laughing. Church is people. I will be happy if church is just a building. Because I cannot be angry with a building. Because the building is always the same, 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 same. But people... Oh, la, la. And sometimes I get so super angry about the situation, and I get very mad. And I, one of our worship leaders, Dave, Cool, so he always saying to me, "Don't let the nail do set in your heart. Don't let the nail do set in your heart." I say, "Oh no, 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 no! I will not do it. I will not go back into the prison." I will remain, I will remain, I will remain, I will remain and I will bear fruit for Jesus Christ. But Mary, she faced disappointments. And let's go into the story of Mary into an amazing clip here on the screen.
2: Mary of Magdala, Jesus' disciple. When the Sabbath was over, I bought some fragrant oil with his mother and my friend Salome. We wanted to pay our last respect to Jesus and anoint his corpse. We made our way to the tomb very early in the morning. We walked there silently, sunk in deep sorrow. Disappointed. How could all of this have happened? We were all in our own deep thoughts when shortly before reaching the goal, I heard Salome cry out. Oh no. What? I asked her. Who is going to roll away the stone in front of the tomb? We have forgotten this fact. The sun had just begun to rise. This can't be true. Once again, Salome interrupted the silence. And then I saw it with my own eyes. The stone in front of the tomb had been rolled away. We quickly ran into the tomb. The body was gone. But the Clothes were laying nicely folded on the bench on which they had laid Jesus three days earlier. We had seen that with our own eyes. I ran out of the tomb and looked around. Who would dare to steal a body? I met one of the gardeners and reproached him strongly for being able to work here so calmly when a body has been stolen. Then he said, Mary. And as he
1: said my name, I recognized him, Jesus. You know, the ten disciples were running away. But Mary, she did something amazing. And that's actually a learning point in our life. She went back to Jesus. The place where she got disappointed. Have you ever had an accident in your life? I don't hope so. But if you have an accident, the wound you have, it hurts crazy. And it starts to bleed, it's painful, right? Do you know what is even more painful? The moment you start to clean your wound, when you take out the stones, the dirt, everything, it's so, it hurts so much. It's crazy. It even hurts more than the accident. And here's the point when you're facing your disappointments, it even hurts more than the disappointment. Just explaining that in a simple way. There was a couple in our church, or we have many couples in our church. Always when people couples coming to me for counseling, it's always too late. <laughs> they never come early, they're always coming late. Pastor Leo, can you fix the marriage? Yes, of course, I am God. And i always saying the same thing go to counseling. And there was one specific a couple that went to counseling. And after three sessions, the man came up to me. He was sour. He was super mad. said, Pastor Leo, you sent me to counseling, coaching. But after three sessions, it's not getting better. It's even getting worse. I will not go there anymore. I said, getting worse, this is good. I said, why? It's like a wound. To clean a wound... It's more painful than the accident, and you have to allow the moments it's so painful it hurts when you go over it. It's only a matter of time, and healing takes place. We think you pray one prayer God, fix my marriage, boom, it's fixed. Your dreamer, do we wish. To hear that, and I believe God can do all the miracles, but God is more interested in your heart. If God is fixing your marriage, you're going away and doing the same thing again. That means you have to address your disappointments. In John 20, verse 15 and 16, let's read this amazing Bible verse. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Mary was crying. Who is you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she says... Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned over in and cried out in her Rabuni means teacher. You see here, she cried. She was super disappointed. Point number two. Laying down your disappointments. They were the disciples of Emmaus. When the Emmaus disciples heard that Jesus was dead, they turned around, walked 180 degrees away, seven miles away from the grave. Seven miles. And they were saying, "Oh, oh we are so disappointed. We will run away forever and ever and ever. Certain people, you are so disappointed about your wife, about your church, about God, and you're running away. Running away will not solve anything in your life, here is a story of a lady in Germany. She had a calling, she had a dream, and all of a sudden, everything's fall down like a house. Here is Anna Wehner from Germany.
3: Jeder had eine zweite Chance verdient, oder? Es gab da einen Moment, wo Gott zu meinem Herzen geredet hat. Anna, Kirche ist anders als du denkst. Da entschied ich mich, der Kirche eine zweite Chance zu geben. Nach dem Abi habe ich Theologie studiert. Aus Überzeugung. Und neben dem Studium habe ich in einer Kirche gearbeitet. Mein Traum wird wahr, dachte ich. Ich kann bis heute nicht verstehen, warum. Aber ich habe es nicht geschafft, in der Kirche Freunde zu finden. Niemand interessierte sich für mich. Ich war allein. Immer. Irgendwann haben mich die Ablehnung und die Einsamkeit krank gemacht. Burnout. Eine Erschöpfungsdepression. Weil ich in einer Kirche arbeite, ich war dermaßen enttäuscht, dass ich beschlossen habe, nie wieder einen Fuß in eine Kirche zu setzen. Und erst recht nicht für eine zu arbeiten. Nie wieder.
1: You hear the word never again? Never again? never gain our sentence because you're super disappointed. The Emmaus disciples, that were running away seven miles. They will say, never ever. You know what, the story about Arnold Werner, when I heard about that story, for that's a story we have hundreds and thousands of times in the church. It's maybe not the area of preaching and teaching, maybe you have another area, but like the Emmaus people, you're walking 180 degrees away from the blessing of God. Anna heard, a voice from the Holy Spirit, go back to ICF Munich. And she was obedient and she sat there and she started to cry. And years later, the same lady who was disappointed is preaching the word of God now in ICF Munich. Here is the picture of Anna Winner. And that's an amazing story. What is the difference between disappointments and going back into the calling of God? Let's go back to the story of the Emmaus disciples in Luke chapter 24, verse 30 and 32. When he was at the table, that means Jesus with them, he took the bread gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappears for their sight. They asked each other, where not our hearts are burning with us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Here is always a moment in our lives when we are disappointed. Where is God? He will speak in your situation to you. You hear a word of hope, a word of confirmation, uh, confirmation, Confirmation. conversion, encouragement, yeah. Thank you for the word, encouragement. You hear that in that moment, but between hearing the word and your life will change. It's even a second step. In Luke 24, verse 33, they got up and returned once to Jerusalem. That means go back to the blessing zone in your life. Go back to your dreams. Go back to your calling. When God speaks, go back. This is your move. And then you will be back in the game of God. What are you doing when you're back in the blessing zone? Very simple, you lift up your hands and you start praising God. Praise God in high seasons and let's praise God in low seasons. It's easy to pray God in high seasons when your family is smooth, your life is smooth, Switzerland is smooth, America is smooth, Donald Trump is smooth. Oh my gosh, Frau Merkel is again smooth. It's a miracle praising God when smooth it's easy. Praising God is like drawing an anchor to heaven. Why an anchor? You use an anchor when you have a boat, you set the anchor and you cannot see the anchor, but the anchor gives stabilization. Your boat, praise and worship is like an unseen anchor. I say, God, I praise you. I draw an anchor to heaven. My soul, my spirit, and my body is focused on the grace of God. God is for me, God is not against me. God's ways and God's plans are super good, even though it comes sometimes in another way. Praising God means I will stand and are drawing an anchor. Why i saying that so loud. Either you draw an anchor into heaven or you're drawing an anchor into hell. Either or. Why I'm saying that? A lot of people have drawn an anchor in their disappointments. And they will stay and rest their whole life, and you are not believing in marriage anymore, you're not believing in love anymore, you're not believing in church anymore, you're not believing in people anymore, you're not believing in God anymore, and welcome to the place of hell. And you have decided to draw an anchor in hell. Or, I said the anchor in heaven. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It's an attitude. It's a position in my heart. Some month ago, I don't know where it was. I think it was in, in Norway. I preached a very, very um, simple message. And then comes the moment for the other cult. And sometimes I ask people lifting up their hands. Sometimes I say, put your hands on your heart. Sometimes I say, come to the front. But that moment, God spoke to me and said to me, Pastor Leo, lay down. I said, God, I have a white (laughs) t-shirt. Then I I was thinking very practical. He said, lay down. And it was my first order call, leaning down on the stage. And I said, guys, if there's anyone in this room, you're super disappointed about God, about your wife, about your church, whatever you're disappointed, lay down your life. Laying down means, God, I don't understand, I don't feel it, I don't like it, but I give up. Your ways and your thoughts are higher than my ways and and my thoughts, and here is my life. And I said, okay, if this is you and I will not look into the room, then please come to the front. And this was my order called like this no emotion, no shouting, no screaming, just like this. This was one of the biggest order called I have ever seen in my life people came to the front and you know what was the story? I'm disappointed. I had some agendas, some hopes, some beliefs, but my way came in different ways and they were laying down the life. Either I set the anchor in worship in heaven or I set the anchor in hell. I would love to close with the last point overcoming disappointments like Thomas. Thomas the doubter, he was the first time when Jesus came, he was somewhere. But in the second time, he was there in John 20, verse 26 and 27. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hands and put it into my sight. Stop doubting and believe. And here is one thing, if you're studying the Bible, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He had a new body, a new spiritual body. Everything was brand new. Not plastic surgery, I mean real. All was redeemed. But there was one thing, was still the same the wounds and the scar were still there why hasn't God put the scars and wounds away because here's the thing if you are handling your disappointments well after a while you can see a scar the scar will not hurt anymore but still you can see it if you married a second time, your scar is still there. Of course, God is a God of grace and second chance, but the first chance is still there, is still alive. You can see that. Why i am saying that? You will meet some people in your life with the same scar, with the same wound, and God is using you to be a testimony for those people they needing salvation, they're needing healing. They have run away like you have run away many, many times. And now you're saying, I drove an anchor into heaven. And I praise God in high seasons, and I praise God in low seasons, and i will not running away. In closing in First Peter chapter 20, verse two, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we may die to sins and live for righteousness. Now comes the Word. By His wounds you have been healed. Jesus saying, watch and learn. Your wounds, your scars are still there, but this is your message around the globe. If you never are able to have a baby, Whatever the reason is, and some, somebody else comes to the church crying, desperate, God, I need a baby. You have a message. If God healed you in your marriage, you have a message for those people. They're going to hell in their marriage. You understand what I mean? God is not taking your scars away. Your scars will be a message for those people. They need your life, your word and your encouragement. It's not burning hurting anymore but still is there in closing right now i don't i don't know your life maybe there's an area you're disappointed we never speak about it because christian means god has all in store i know that but reality is maybe there the promise is there and healing takes place when you're confessing your disappointment straight to God. Can we do this for a moment? Let's close our eyes and let's invite the presence of God right now. I'm so thankful God for the learnings of Mary. She embraced the disappointment. She was crying. She was seeking you and you healed her heart God here we are right now thank you so much for the calling you have given us for the purpose you have given us and there's so many promises in our lives and I will praise you in high seasons and I will praise you in low seasons church I want to ask you right now is there an area right now, like a hidden agenda, a hidden disappointment? It's still there. It seems roots are growing. They get stronger and stronger from week to week and month by month. Can we be quiet in the presence of God right now? I don't know your wounds. I don't know your scars. But I believe right now, the moment when we're confessing our disappointments, it's the starting point of signs and miracle. It could be like in the financial area in your life. For maybe more than 20 years, you never have enough. You're always lacking a little bit and you have trusted God, you have obeyed God. You have given your life to the Kingdom of God, but in that area it seems that for everyone works very well, but for you it's always lacking a little bit. This is the word of God for one person at least in this room. You're lacking always a little bit. This is the word for a second person, you are faithful, you're serving in the house of God when it comes to relationships. You trust God and and then you're still single and then you're running away. Then you have a relationship with an unbeliever. Then it's crashing, you're coming back to the church. It's always running back, forth, and back and forth all the time. And you're right now here and say, God, I trust you for many times. But where is a Christian boyfriend? Where is he? Where is he? And this is your area where you're so super disappointed. It's very hard for you to trust God again because you haven't experienced the way that God really fulfilled that longing, that dream in your heart. Confess right now your disappointments.
0: I wonder, when everything fails and fades away, what does remain?
1: Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing else that remains. What would it look like
3: to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like
0: to follow Jesus?
1: Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually witches turn worthless.
0: He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench.
1: What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.